Today we're going to talk about the most popular subject in American culture today. Authority. Awesome. Aren't you excited about that? You're like, oh yeah, you know what? The thing about authority is that I don't have any problems with it. I take direction really well. I'm glad you're talking about this, Edwin, because I'm all in on this, right? That's what you're saying, right? I know, I can read your mind. Why is that so funny for us? Because every one of us struggles with authority. But you know, that doesn't just happen between us. It happens between us and God. And we still try to be the boss when God's the boss. We still try to be the authority when God's the authority. I, I remember one of the funniest examples of uh, not understanding authority was, um, you know, I have a, a dear friend. You, you know him. His name is, some of you know him. His name is Pastor Ray Ramos. I've known him all my life. I've known him since the very first day of school. True story. And so in that... Um, uh, I visited him at work because we just, we simply didn't know boundaries. You're not supposed to like go to somebody's job and hang out with them. But we were young and silly and we didn't know. They was like, yo, Edwin, what are you doing? He's like, come up to my job. I was like, sure. And I was working too. I would leave my job, go to his job. It was just terrible. And so I went and his supervisor came in. And I can't remember what his name was, but he was a cool guy. Or I, I bet he was a cool guy outside of uh, work, but you know. so. We're, we're in uh, where Ray works, and the guy's like, yo, did you do this? And Ray's like, no. He goes, did you do this? And Ray's like, no. And did you do this? And Ray's like, no. He goes, he goes why didn't you do that? I told you to do that. I, I laid you a list and all this other stuff. And, and Ray goes, well, I just, I just didn't do it. And he goes, dude, I'm your boss. And Ray's response was classic. I can't even tell you what he said, but I'm going to modify it for you. He goes, you're the boss of my butt. That's what he said. Which is probably not the best thing to tell your boss. Needless to say, Ray didn't hold that job very long. But that's a fantastic, fantastic, isn't that the truth? That we just go, oh, no, no, no. You know what? You're not, my, you're not the boss. Somebody finish the sentence. You're not the boss. Oh, sure. We have, it's in our vernacular. In fact, if you have a blended family, we have a different way of saying it. Did, did you come from a blended family? You know what a blended family is, right? Brady Bunch, she brings in three girls. You bring in three boys. You come together, and then now it's all your kids, right? Do you have that, right? Some of you have known that. Some of you grew up in that, right? Now, when your father in that matter, or not the father, but stepdad, tells you to do something within that arrangement, or your stepmom tells you to do something in that arrangement, and it's something you don't like, what do you say to them? Anybody know? You ain't my father. What are we saying? We're saying, you're not the boss. You don't have the authority. We, we do this in every space possible. We say we have verbiage for this. Well, uh, if we're in a group of people and someone's trying to direct us, we might say, who died and put you in charge? It's, it's in us. It's natural to not want any authority in our lives but our own. Now, I want to push back on the authority piece because we say we don't want authority, but the fact is we don't want authority contrary to what we want. 
Because you've never heard a stepchild go, um, like a stepfather go up to their stepchild and go, hey, um, what, what do you want? You want 50 or $100? You've never heard that stepchild go, you ain't my father. You can't give me that money. You've never heard that once in your life. Am I right? What's the reason behind that? The reason behind that is because it's in line. It still keeps you as the boss. The child is still in the, I will accept what I want because it's in line with my desires. So, of course, I'll take the $50. I'll take the $100. You never heard somebody go, who put you in charge, who's saying, oh, yeah, we're going to give you a big car, nice house. We're going to give you all sorts of, nobody would ever go, who put you in charge? Anybody ever see this show? Um, What's the name of that show, Liz, uh, with the bosses that uh, disguise themselves? Undercover boss. Okay. You've never, at the, at the end of the show, if you ever watch this show called Undercover Boss, basically the premise is that the boss comes from, like, you know, their ivory tower, and, they, and what they do is they come and they disguise themselves and they work, like, on, you know, as the fry guy. Or, the, you know, if it's a fast food place. Or they work at, the, like, lower levels to connect with their employees, Right? And so at the end of that, they do the reveal. I'm really the boss. You know, like I'm the owner of this big conglomerate, right? Now, at the end, it's always, it always has like a, this relational, emotional aspect to it. Like, you know, here's a mom. She's, you know, a single mom. She has no kids. And he goes up to her. And, I mean, like it really gets extraordinary. He goes, you know, he'll say something like, I'm inventing it. But it's kind of like this. He'll go. He'll say, now, Susan, you know, they're sitting across the table. Susan, I want you to know that I was so impressed with your work ethic, but I know the difficulties that you have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to pay your salary, but I'm going to also pay for you to get your bachelor's so that you can move up in the company faster. You've never heard that woman go, who do you think you are trying to give me all this money? How dare you? you think that I'm just that kind of person? You just can't throw your authority on me trying to plan out my whole life. You've never heard that person say that. Why? Because when you're sitting and you're receiving something that you want, he's really not the boss. You're just, I mean, you could tell yourself he's the boss. Oh, it's great. Isn't that great? But that's not true because once he tells you to do something you don't like, you're like, hey, you pull out the boss card. Hey, who's the boss? This is something that's, you don't have to be a Christian to believe this. It's something in society. Now, the reason, are you following me with me so yeah. far? Okay, cool. Now, the reason that this is so important to us that we ask this question, who's the boss? The reason that that has significance. The reason we ask that is because whoever the boss is, gets to decide the next decision. That's why we go, you're not my father. Because we know that whoever has authority in that situation, whether it's taking out the trash, doing our homework, or coming home on time, we say, you're not my father. Because we know that if we concede to their authority, we know that at that moment, we have to submit to whatever they're going to direct us. Who, whoever the boss is determines the next decision. Now, it's with that in mind 
that we're going to come to a text that for some of us is going to be offensive because Jesus is actually exercising his authority. And not only does he exercise his authority within the context of this Jewish um, temple, but if we extrapolate where this is going to go, oh my, you might find that he has the authority in your marriage with your clean time. How you do at work. What you do with your body. So we're in a brand new series. It's not a new series anymore. We've been doing it for a few weeks. It's called Encounters. And this encounter with Jesus is going to leave you breathless because in the end, we ask and answer the question, who the boss? And that is the question that I want you to start asking whenever you make a decision. Whenever you decide, whatever you say, however you respond to your wife or respond to your husband, however you raise your children, the question isn't, Give them condoms so that they could be safe or, or teach them, uh, uh, you know, abstinence. That's not the question. The question is, who's the boss? Because whoever the boss is, you get directions from him, and that dictates how you deal with that child in that scenario. Pretty cool, right? I could see the excitement on your face, so we're going to go right into the scriptures. Matthew chapter 21, verses 13 through 17. Would you stand at the reading of the incredible word of God? We stand not because, not so much because I'm asking you to stand, I hope, but we stand because God is glorious and he deserves our attention. The fact is, no matter where you are, interestingly enough, on either side of the aisle, when the president walks down for the State of the Union, it doesn't matter what you think about the president. Doesn't matter what president is in. They all stand because they reverence the office. We stand because we reverence a God who's worthy of standing. Some presidents aren't worthy of standing, but I'm telling you, our God is. Our God is. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to start with verse 13, although I know your bulletins start with 12. It's, uh, hey, you know, Jesus was in Capernaum, and then he went down to there. So now we're going to start with verse 13. It is, all right, no, go to 12. Sorry, my bad. My bad, we'll jump up to 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear? What these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Whoa. Come, have a seat. 
So what we're talking about here, guys, is authority. And even though that has a curse word, and we have a culture, listen to me, this is not just your personal preference. Your culture, every Disney movie you watch is about, all right, who, who here saw Mo Mo Moana? Moana? Moana. Moana, right? Who here saw Moana? Okay. How does Moana fulfill her purpose in life? By rebelling against who? Her father. She has to rebel. It's in the culture. It's in the songs that we sing. It's in the, anybody here ever see Mulan? How does Mulan save everyone? By rebelling against her parents. There's no, in, in other words, the only way to see your true self, the only way to experience your very purpose is to disregard authority. We say crazy things like, no, we, you never hear, hey, listen to your parents. We never hear, hey, just do what your boss tells you to do. In fact, that sounds like conforming. It sounds like weakness. No, 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 no. We say things like, listen, follow your heart. <laughs> Why? Because the only one who can tell you what to do is who? It's you. It's you. Jesus steps into the temple, and he goes, I think I got a different opinion about this than this about your life and what ought to happen, how you should. We have a huge, I mean, just a huge culture. It's in every song that you hear. It's in every movie that you watch. It's in every book that you read. The way the hero, the way the hero succeeds is by rebelling against the authorities. Everything from the born Trilogy, or now it's like four now, right? So you can't call it the, the Bourne four movies. You know, remember Jason Bourne? Like from that to kitty shows, the only way is to rebel against authority. <clears throat> that is so deeply ingrained. The reason I'm taking the time to talk about this, it's so deeply ingrained. You took it in with mother's milk. You don't even know. You don't even know that you live as a rebel. You, and I'm talking to, I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking, you, you know, you know, hell's angels, bikers, you know, you guys already know <laughs> that you're rebels. You wear it on your sleeve. But I'm talking to you who really, you sit down and you go, no, Jesus, you're Lord, until you tell me to do something I don't want to do. Jesus, you're king until you tell me something I disagree with. Jesus, you are God and Lord until you try to address an area in my life that I don't want you to touch. So what do we do with that? We have an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter, we'll see. I mean, there are a million of them, but we'll find it in Matthew chapter 21. Let's go to verse 12. Jesus enters the temple, verse 12. Jesus entered the temple. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. Okay, now what's happening? Okay, Jesus is coming into the temple. Um, it's Passover. It's a great, there's like a million people in the community. They're trying to celebrate this high, holy holiday. And it is. It's glorious. God did incredible things, unexplainable without God. 
And so he comes into this incredibly festive environment, and what they're doing is that they're selling um, animals for the sacrifice. Now, here's how the sacrificial, for those of you who are new, and by the way, if you're here and you, you're, you're new to Christianity or you're not sure about this Christian thing, I want to, I thank you so much. We, we plan this service with you in mind. From the announcements to the, to the sermon, we, we, we do everything with you in mind. We want you to see Jesus as beautiful as he actually is. And I know we Christians have done a poor job of, uh, of, of showing Jesus' beauty. In fact, we've done the opposite. We've veiled his beauty. And so what all you've been able to see is rules and to-dos and to-don'ts. But we want to show you Jesus, and it's really, he's, he's out of this world. So I'm glad if you're here, if you're new. Now, if you are, for your sake, what the temple had was they had um, uh, a sacrificial system. So here's what they did. The Jewish people, what they would do is they would bring an animal according to how much they had. I mean, if they didn't have enough money, they just would bring a different type of animal, like a dove or whatever. But they would, it would bring in a lamb, let's say. And that lamb would be brought, and then the lamb would literally be slaughtered in front of them. Now, if you're like a PETA person, like, you know, uh, people for the ethical treatments of animals, that should absolutely outrage you. Why this poor, innocent animal would have to die for, and that is the point. That the innocent, God was drilling into the Jew, his beautiful Jewish community. He was drilling into them. The innocent must die for the guilty. The innocent, and, and, and they saw it every year in blood. The innocent must die for the guilty. The innocent must die for the guilty. Either you take the punishment or an innocent does. And so God drilled this into their subconscious through their culture and through the traditions that they had. God um, uh, created a temple and he put it in David's heart. I mean, I mean, God planned this out from like eternity past, but he put it in David's heart to build the temple, but David didn't build the temple, um, couldn't build the temple because there was blood on his hands, David the king, so he had his son uh, build the temple. It was absolutely incredible. This is not that temple that the son built. This is like a reiteration because it got torn down because of the people's rebellion. It's a long story, but follow me. They're here at the temple, and the purpose that God created, when you came to the temple, it was as if, no, and this is really powerful. It, what God was saying was that this is a place where you can have intimacy with me. That in this geographical location, there's a sense of presence that I'll have with you. Now, God is in everywhere, at all places, at all times. And if you're juvenile, you'll go, oh, man, God is not at, you know, I'm saying that there's something special that happens when you gather together with other like-minded people to worship and praise God and that God will meet you in a powerful and intimate way. It's, it's powerful. And so God does that, and he invites them, and he says, come on, man, I want to meet with you, and I'm going to have this place, and it's like a million people, and people everywhere. Now, the people in the temple courts were selling the doves and the, the animals, and the reason that they were selling them was for a very good reason. No, it wasn't money, it was just convenience. Like, all right, if you come from 200 miles, and there's no mass transportation, transportation. You're coming from 200 miles, and you have to travel. Your animal, the, the sacrifice that you took with you, 
You're not traveling on Highway 95. You're not going on, uh, you're not going on 95 traveling down. You'll be there 200 miles. Eh, it should take me four hours. No, 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 no. It's going to take a week or two. You're traveling with animals. And then now you're in the wild. So a wolf comes and steals your thing. You got a stick, but good luck. And so the, a pack of wolves comes to steal, or a lion comes to take, or whatever. It's like, and now, now you're like, now you're, you have no sacrifice. Or the, 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 the journey is too much for the animal, and he dies. And, oh, man, this was, the, this was the sacrifice that I had planned. Well, it's easier. You travel there with your family, and then, oh, look. Look at how convenient this is. This is a good thing. I know a lot of uh, pastors and theologians say, oh, it's because Jesus was uh, angry that, that people were um, taking advantage. But that's not true. If you look at the text, it says, it is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. You see, the problem was is that the temple that was there was created for a purpose. And the purpose who had given the, uh, the person who had given the temple the purpose was the one with all the authority. And you are using this. I have the authority, Jesus is saying, which is to say he's God. I have the authority, and you are using it for the purpose other than what I intended for this temple to be used in. Now, that is mind-blowing. Jesus comes out. Now, what he does is he raps like a couple of chords. This is not quite as gangster. If you're Puerto Rican, yeah, la cuerda. Have, have, you, have you ever done? Have you ever seen this? Like where they take, uh, like they, they take like some branches off, and then you get spanked with the branches. They tie them together. If you're Puerto Rican, you've seen this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you've seen this, right? The, I wonder if the black community has something similar to this, right? Yeah, you guys have something like right. And then, and then if all else fails, you just take off your belt and you know you go to town and all right. So Jesus is using, it's not quite that dramatic. And let me tell you why this is a miracle, by the way. This is a miracle because there's no way one guy, and this is just Jesus, is going to drive out money changers and flip over tables and all that. There's no way he's going to be able to do that by himself. Jesus is using supernatural authority that God, that because he's God, God the Son is using his supernatural authority to carry them out. And he's saying this, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. See, the first purpose of this house was deep communion with God. And they decided to gather together to make money. You see, this should start provoking in us a question. Wait, if it was in God's mind to make that temple, and he had a purpose for the building, and now collectively we're the temple of God, because Jesus died on the cross, and is, we are the body of Christ. Does God have a purpose for us that we are simply not submitting his, to his authority? I'm talking to our church now. Recovery House of Worship, listen to me. As a body, is it possible that you are doing good things that could get you whipped? Yes. 
good things. Good things that God would go, that is not the reason why I created you. And it's good stuff. You're wasting your life. You're going in a direction. Listen, he's not, Jesus is not whipping the hell uh, angel guys. He's not whipping them. He's whipping the religious people. You know who he's whipping? He's whipping the people who would get up early enough to come to a Sunday service at 10 a.m. at 360 Skinny. That's the kind of people he's whipping. The people who would perfume themselves and dress nice. The people who would read their Bibles and pray. He's telling them, you're going in the wrong direction. You're moving in the wrong way. This is not the purpose for which I made you. And then they respond in the exact same way we would respond. Jump down to verse 16. Do you hear what these children are saying? Look up at me. They're questioning his authority. In fact, John records this very same event. All the Gospels, by the way, record the same event. And what's beautiful is that they add little nuances that the other guys don't add. It's just really, really, really cool. And so when you put them all together, you get the full picture of what happened, right? And so, I mean, this has happened, right? You've heard this, right? Have you ever been with a couple? And you go, you know, like you tell the husband, hey, husband, tell me, how did you guys meet? And he goes, oh, yeah, it was at a, a softball field. You know, we were watching this uh, baseball game. And then she goes, no, 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 no. It was at the parking lot. Remember? At the parking lot of the softball field. And I was like, oh, okay, she's adding value. She's adding details that he leaves out. Well, that's what John does with Matthew, and Matthew does with John. They add little details. And so John goes, and he says this. He goes that they asked him another question as well. Show us a miracle to prove that you have the, and here's the word, authority. John chapter 2. I think it's verse 17. Show us a miracle to prove to us that you have the authority to do what you are doing. Why? Because you're doing something we don't like. You're contrary to what we want. And you're not our Lord. And look, it's good. We're providing a service. And it's wonderful. And it's absolutely the opposite thing that God wants you to do in this space. So we see that their response is rebellion because they don't want. It's possible. Listen to me. Do you think it's possible to call on the name of Jesus accurately and say, yes, Jesus, you are Lord and God, and yet still be the authority in your life? I see it all the time. I see it in my own heart, and I see it in yours. Here's a romantic situation. It's clear. It's clear to everybody but the person who's emotionally involved. It's clear. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. You sure you want to go back out with them? Didn't they cheat on you with your best friend and your father and your kids? And like, you know, didn't they cheat on you with like all your closest friends? They say, yes, yes, yes. But, but, but listen, it's been a month. She's changed. <laughs> no, 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 brother. I, 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 I don't. So, okay, why don't we go to the scriptures 
and, and the scriptures talk about not being unequally yoked. Maybe you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't go out with them. Maybe you shouldn't be unequally yoked. Well, you know, that's your interpretation. No, 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 beloved. That's as clear as day. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't go with someone who has a different purpose and an identity in life. So, no, 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 no. You don't get it. I'm the boss. You see, I understand that you're bringing the scriptures, and the reason that you're bringing the scriptures in this moment is because you are under the illusion that I think that the Bible and God is the authority. Brother, you mistaken me. I'm the authority. That's why I'm going to go out with her. But don't worry, good news, I'm going to absolutely take up all of your time when this goes bad. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Who is the boss? Listen to me. We're, let's, let's get a little controversial here. Who is the boss of your marriage? And by the way, the, answer, the right answer to all of these questions is Jesus. Can we start there? Okay, I'm going to make the test easy for you, okay? Work with me, guys. This is hard work. Who's the boss of your marriage? You still don't know? Really? Let's try this one more time. Who is the boss of your marriage? Can Jesus tell you to do something within the context of your marriage that's difficult and painful? Like forgiveness, yes. like patience, yes. like mercy. Yes. Okay. Who's the boss of your work environment? You're not so convinced. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Of course you're not, right? Because that would mean that I would have to, that would mean that I would have to start actually being truthful, that it's no longer the clock that keeps me honest about how much time I spend at lunch, but it's Jesus because he's the boss. And inevitably, I'm serving Jesus with, my work, with the work of my hands. Who's the boss <laughs> of your sex life? Mm, not sure yet. Yeah, you're confused about that one? Yeah, still not sure? Let me ask again, who's the boss of your sex life? You suck. All right. No wonder we have so much counseling to do in this church. Oh, but he is. See, no, but this is why, this is why it's, because you see, Jesus is the boss only insofar as he agrees with the real boss. Anybody know who that is? It's the person sitting in your seat. See, Jesus is the boss. That's the way we, see, that's not worship. My house will be called a house of prayer. My children will be identified by their devotion and worship and submission unto me that there is a purpose for which you've been created, a temple of God, a church who's going to do the will and the work of the king of the universe. And there's no room for deviation in that. There's no room for deviation in that. But the truth is, 
hey, God, here's the truth about me. I'll let you be the boss only in so long as you do what I tell you to do. If you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Cool? All right, let's go. If you don't believe me, just look at the last time you sinned. Was it last night? Was it yesterday? Was it last week? Was it just five minutes ago cursing me in your head? <laughs> because I'm getting too personal. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you sinned, who was the authority? You or God? Of course. Because God wouldn't want you to sin. We do this every time we sin. We go, you're not the boss. You don't, but you don't, and then we tell Jesus things that he doesn't know. Have you ever done this? I do this all the time. I tell God things that he doesn't know. I go, but God, you don't understand how difficult it is dealing with. And he's like, yeah, I want you to love him. Or, God, you don't understand how hard it is to walk away from this abusive relationship. Yeah, I know. Yeah, thanks. You know, I'm glad you told me that. I didn't know that. I'm glad you said that. God, you don't know how hard it is to say no to this, this sexual issue. Ah, gosh, I'm so happy you told me this because I, I just had no clue. See, beloved, beloved, listen to me. It's easy to be a Christian atheist. But we don't have to be. Jesus is showing us something more beautiful. Look at what he's showing us. Let's go back to verse 14. I love this. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. So, okay, I, I got to tell you this story real fast, real super fast. The reason that this, why does this make sense at this point? Okay, so I got to tell you a story of long ago. Okay, so long ago, and, and Matthew is putting this in here because Matthew is speaking to a Jewish audience. That's his audience. It's a Jewish, he has a Jewish mentality and a Jewish audience in mind when he's sharing this with them. So he goes, Matthew goes, um, oh, and by the way, the blind and the lame. And he put it just that way. He didn't say like um, the crippled and the blind or the lame and the blind. He goes, the blind and the lame. He put it just this way because he knew it would ring bells in their minds. So let me tell you a story. What happens is there's a king in old Israel. Um, uh, that king wants to create a, a place where the people would find their identity. It's on this high mountain. It's in Jerusalem. And he says, I want to take that hill. But here's the problem. The city is walled and there's no plain. And there's huge walls, like 30-foot 30, 30 walls all around the city to protect the city because the only way you could protect your city from hoarding raids at that time was a wall. But on top of that, it's on top of a hill. So it is ideally placed on top of a hill so that they could remain as protected as possible. David goes, and he goes, he goes, I want this city. There's no way to take it. It's, and they send a message to David, and they go like this. Here's the message that the, 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 the community there goes to David. He goes, hey, Dave, just want you to know all the soldiers have uh, taken a break, and we put the blind and the lame in their place, man. We put them in their place because that's about as much a chance as you have. If you want to read about this, you'll read this in Chronicles or in, or in Samuel. Samuel. He goes, we put the blind and the lame in place. They're mocking him. 
David can't find a way in, and then it strikes him. Oh, everybody needs water. So he goes to the place where they have their well, and he climbs up from there, tells his soldiers, whoever does this is going to be my general. Whoever takes the city is my general. They take the city. He becomes, David is the king. The, 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 the town is Jerusalem, and the place is the temple. Now, here's what's interesting. David said, at the temple, no blind and lame are allowed because it reminded him of his shame, how he couldn't bring the gates down. So he said, and God is like, he's reversing their traditions. This is a tradition going back to the very start of the temple. And God is going, no, 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 no. The blind and the lame are now let in. And God himself is touching and holding and healing. The king has come. And the king is good. And his authority is better than your plans. The blind and the lame came to the temple. And, the, and at this point, all of the religious folks are like, oh, we've never done it that way before. How could you let this happen? Because I'm the king, and this is what I intended. You're not the boss. I'm the boss, says God. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw, and I love the way Matthew writes this, saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. What's the next part of that verse? They, they go, oh my gosh. They celebrate. When the, when the religious people saw this, what's your response to this? You celebrate. Not so. They go, they were indignant. They were furious at this. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. I love Jesus' response. Yes. See? When you and I are going to God and you're going, God, don't you see what's going on? I'm justified in my sin. You know, this is the way I grew up. This is all I know. This is, you know, whatever, whatever. Do you... Do you hear at that point the choir of children going, he's a great king? Or do you go, no, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Jesus says, yes, I'm the authority. I love that. Yes. I'm the one that they, it's appropriate. And then Jesus quotes a scripture that, by the way, in the Old Testament, this scripture in the Psalms is only attributed to God. Jesus is accepting it for himself. Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus replies, yes. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth praise? Jesus is accepting that. You know why? Because Jesus is the boss. What would it look like? What would your marriage look like? Hey, hey, what would your singleness look like? if Jesus really was the boss of your life? If Jesus was the boss of your body, what would it look like? If Jesus was the boss of, your, of what you said, if he was really the boss of what you said, not, I'm not talking about in a, in a legalistic way, like, mm, I'm not going to say that, but boy, you know, I feel like I should 
scream at you or curse you out or something like that. But I'm not going to do it because all that stuff, all it does is build up and then you explode somewhere else. No, no, no. But what if Jesus was, what if Jesus was the boss of your sexuality? What if Jesus was the boss of your sex life? What if Jesus was the boss of your priorities? You see, we don't want to encounter a Jesus like this. So here's what I know. I've been doing this for a long time. You all feel mildly, or some of you feel mildly convicted. And you're like, yo, this is true. Jesus is the boss, and I've been treating him like he's not the boss, and I need to do something about that. And in, with good intentions, you're going to go, and then tomorrow, you're going to try not to binge and purge. You're going to try not to cut yourself. You're going to try. In other words, you're going to try to allow Jesus. You're going to try not to overspend. You're going to try not to. You're going to try to keep, uh, right? You're, you're going to try to do that. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to fail. You're going to fail. Haven't you ever done this? I mean, I've turned over more new leaves than Central Park. I mean, it's just a losing battle. Listen to me. But what if, what if we can go to Jesus and maybe this was your very loving God giving you a loving, I'm going to say it, a loving sort of striking with these soft whips, uh, soft um, things, and just going, sister, don't you see? I created you, just like I created the temple for a purpose, prayer. I created you to worship, and you're worshiping the wrong thing. You're worshiping your culture, your sexuality, you're worshiping your spouse, you're worshiping your money, you're worshiping your, your career, you're worshiping your aspirations, you're worshiping something other than Jesus. What if, what if, this, is, this would be wild, what if Jesus was the boss? What if Jesus was the boss? What would happen if Jesus was the boss? How would, how would that change the way you interact with your spouse? How would that change with the way you reprimand your children? How would that change the way you act at work? How would that change the way you do recovery? Wow. Could you imagine it? Could you imagine just going to Jesus? And here's what I would ask you to do. Because if we try, we'll fail every time. I'm not asking you to try harder. That's a lie. What I'm asking you is go to Jesus and finally be honest for the first time in your life. And go, Jesus, you are the boss only in title alone. That's it. I mean, okay, sure, you're the boss with this and this and this, but you're only the boss in this and this and this because it suits me for you to be the boss in this and this. I want you to be the boss of my body. Every thought I have, every decision I make, I want you to be the boss. By the way, coming to Christ is the same thing. So if so, there's two groups of people. As the musicians come up, and I'm about to finish because I've been talking for a long time. All right. It's like the musicians come up, and everybody's like, oh, thank God. And it's like, whew, we thought this cat was going to go on forever. Makes me wish I was in India. They let you preach for like two hours. So, and makes you glad you're not in India, right? It's like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm glad we ain't there. Um, here's what I want to say to you. Hey, turn on all the lights. 
on. It's the opposite of what we're doing. Yeah. Okay, this is a great illustration of Jesus being the boss of your life. Jesus will say, stop right there, just no, stay right there. Jesus says, hey, listen, I want to put the floodlights on in your heart. I want to expose some things in your life, the way you do all these things that we just made an example. And what happens is you do the exact opposite, and it doesn't illuminate what God is trying to do. Now really turn on all the lights. Thank you. All of them. This, yeah, now watch this. I want all the lights to be on because I want you to see something. Jesus wants to do this in your heart. He wants to make it bright. And there are places that you've rebelled. And the, the response is not, listen to me, the response is, I'll try harder, I'll do better. The response is, I can't do better. Jesus, would you help me to worship you? Jesus, I'll never change this eating disorder. It'll never happen. I'll never stop cutting myself. I'll never start pursuing, I'll never stop pursuing whatever it is you pursue. So Jesus, would you make me more on fire for you than for that? Would you be the boss of my life? So let me ask you something. Who's the boss? Jesus. Now, wouldn't it be great if that actually became true? Ask Jesus. Now, if you're new here, if you're new here, and you'd, or, or, or you've been coming around, but you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. In 30 seconds, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the boss of your life. Because he's better. He's, he created you. He knows your purpose. There's nothing like the one who created you directing your life. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. He starts leading, directing. If you would have asked me, if you would have asked me, at 19, what's your life going to be like? I would have said, man, I'm probably going to own a company. I'm going to be a successful guy. I'm going to make money. I wouldn't have said money, my God, but that's what I would have, you know, that's what I would have, you know, money would have been my purpose. I'm going to make money. I'm going to do all right. And then Jesus, Jesus said, no, 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 I want your life. I want all of you. And he's saying the same thing to all of us. Beloved, I would have never guessed in a million years. I don't even like to talk to people in person, let alone to hundreds of people on a stage. It's, I would have never guessed it. I would have, there was nothing in me that would have suggested that this is what God wanted me to. But God said, I'm going to be the boss of your life. And, and, I think, and I think he wants that for you. I think he wants that for you. He does. So... Let him be the authority. Go, God. So if you don't know Jesus and you want to receive Christ and you've never received him before, maybe, maybe you're here. In fact, yeah. if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask two, uh, one for those of you who don't know him and one for those of you who do. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you want him to be the boss of your life because you've been the boss of your life for way too long and that's just hard work. Nobody else might stand up. People, uh, you, you might be thinking, oh, what are they going to think of me, the people who I came with? Oh, you know. Listen. I want you to stand up as a declaration.
that Jesus is going to be the boss of my life. That I, and here's how it's simple as A, B, C. Admitting, admitting that you've, that you've not lived for the glory of God. You've lived for other things. We call it sin. A, admit. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And then C, commit your body to him. Say, God, thoughts, aspirations for the future, things I'm going to do, places I'm going to go, it's all Jesus, wherever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go. I'm not going to go, oh, but, you know, I feel like doing, no, 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 I'm going to surrender my body to him. Admit, believe, commit your heart to Jesus, commit your body to Jesus. All right. In just a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you want Jesus to be the boss of your body, in five seconds, I want you to stand. Don't worry about what other people are thinking or looking. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Now, I love that. I love that. Now, stick with me. Stay standing, guys. Stay standing. This is awesome. Stay standing. Now, watch this. Listen to me. In some traditions, they go, hey, repeat this prayer after me. And basically, it's a prayer, and it's a beautiful prayer. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray your own prayer to Jesus. I want you to go, Jesus, I've been the boss for too long. Would you be the boss of my life? I want to commit my body to you. I want my life to be yours. Okay, you pray that. Now, there are those of you here who Jesus... You love Jesus. He's your king. He's your Lord. He's your God. But you're really the boss. You're the boss. Jesus says, give up your resentments and your, and your bitterness. And you're like, no, thank you. I'm the boss. Jesus says, I want to address your hurts. And you're, no, I'm the boss. If that's you and you want to make Jesus the boss of every part of your life and fire you, why don't you stand? I want to pray for you too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Guys, let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my friends. I thank you, Lord. I'm standing with them, Lord. You know this, I'm standing. You know how easy it is for me to be the boss of my life. You know how easy it is for me to just want to do what I want to do and not, not even care what you want. So Jesus, there are those that are here. There are those that are here who have never come to you. They've been the boss of their lives and they know it. But Jesus, would you would you help them to admit to you, even specifically, that Saturday night, that thing they did, that Tuesday morning, that thing they did, things that they don't ever feel like they can ever share with anyone else. Would you help them to admit that to you, to share with you the shame that they feel over it, and then to believe that you can heal that shame that you forgive that shame because you paid for that shame. 
and then to commit their bodies to you, that their lives are going to be lived under your beautiful grace, where you say to go, where you, how you build their affections and their motivations and their desires, that you would do all that work in them as you become more beautiful in our eyes. But Lord, I also pray for my other friends here who have decided that you are Lord but not boss. God, I ask that in Jesus' name, in a really powerful way, you speak to us and you help us, help us to see you as wonderful and glorious. Help us to see you as beautiful and powerful. Help us to know that you are the king and the boss of our bodies. And you're not like a bad boss who tells us to do just grunt work that we wouldn't like. You're a boss who gives his life so that we might have life. Lord, make that a reality for all of us. Make that a reality for all of us. Move in our hearts in powerful ways so that we might see you as you truly are. King, God, Lord, Savior, boss. Make that a reality for us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you're here, those yellow cards in your bulletin, I would love to be able to pray for you. So you just, you write down, Jesus be the boss. And then if there's this particular area in your life that you think that he's not the boss in because you've kind of been running the show, go ahead and write that down so I could pray for you and, and some of the leaders could pray for you. But we're going to sing to Jesus with all of our hearts how wonderful he is and how glorious he is. And as you go tomorrow, you let Jesus be the boss and you ask him, God, from today, I want you to be the boss. I want to be under your authority. I want to see you as glorious because you're better than me.